0: Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 816. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. Hello, Shameless Moms. Happy Monday. I hope you're doing well. Thanks for being here today. It's always a joy to spend this time with you. Hey, if you haven't subscribed or followed the show in whatever podcast app you listen to, can you go do that right now, like push pause? Apple Podcasts and the way that different podcast players count downloads is always changing. It recently changed again. And if you can go and make sure that you're subscribed to the show so that it automatically pops up in your feed, that helps you so you never miss an episode, but it also helps me because my numbers then are more consistent in terms of downloads and getting you great ad partners so that you can get good deals. And in terms of the show getting more exposure, which is ultimately the goal so we can support more shameless moms globally. So wherever you're listening, go into your podcast app, go to the Shameless Mom Academy podcast. And then there either is like a down arrow to like download or there's a plus button to follow or a follow button or like there'll be something it's usually in the upper right corner. But yeah, go do that. I'll wait. Okay, now that you did that thing. Thanks. I appreciate you. And today we're going to talk about five mindset resets to help you amplify your joy in motherhood. And sometimes when I think about like what I thought motherhood would be and what it actually was slash is in terms of what it's looked like over the last 11 years, I can't help but laugh because so many seasons of motherhood are not what I expected. And the parts that I thought would be the most fun and easy weren't. The parts that I thought would be really hard have actually been been really enjoyable in ways I didn't see coming, even though they've also been hard. And so it's just like none of it's been predictable. And as someone who really thrives in predictability and being able to control things, it's just always a challenge to not know what's coming and to feel like things are kind of constantly upended in terms of like expectations meeting reality. Like I really thought I was a baby person and then I had a baby and I was like, what do we do all day? Like, do we just stare at each other? I don't know. Like, we sang a lot of songs, we read some books, and that took up 15 minutes of a 24-hour day. So I I didn't expect to struggle that much. I also didn't expect to really love ages three to six. Like, I thought I would enjoy that age, but I didn't think I would really love it. And I will tell you, That was my favorite season of motherhood. And I tell people now, like jokingly, of course, but I say like, oh, yeah, it all started going downhill at six, (laughs) like age six, like the 100% authentic cuteness, and also the 100% adoration for me went down in terms of my child adoring me. I still adored him 100%. But like he, by the age of six, he was like, well, there's other people who in the world who are cool, too. And some of them might even be cooler than you. And That means maybe you're not the best thing in the world, and maybe you're not always the funniest mom, and maybe I don't always need a hug from you. And like, you know, that was it was started a bit of a downward spiral, and so now by age eleven, it's only continued um, in terms of him being more and more independent, which actually I've enjoyed more than I thought. I thought that as my child got older, I would be grieving him separating from me, which I do definitely at times, but also there's times where I'm like, dude, like go. Just be independent. (laughs) Go do your thing. You don't need me here. Like, I'm going to go do my thing and see you in two hours. And I, first of all, could not imagine ever getting to that point. Like, when you have littles, it just seems like they will always be your Velcro. So I couldn't imagine getting to that point. I also couldn't imagine craving or loving that separation. And there's times when I really do. It's funny. I used to at bedtime when Vinny would go to bed, it felt like what I loved about bedtime was not feeling overstimulated or overwhelmed by the day anymore. By the time he went to bed, it was just like, okay, finally, like it's quiet or things are settled or things are done. And now I'm not necessarily feeling overstimulated in the same way or feeling like there's a ton of chaos when he goes to bed. It's more like I'm done negotiating things. I'm done having big conversations about things. I'm done hearing baseball stats for the day. Like the things I'm done with are just so so different. And so it's funny, like I still have that at the end of the day, like, okay, like I'm taking off my mothering hat at 9 p.m. And if you talk to me after 9 p.m, like do not expect my mothering skills to come out. You will get some like firm other kinds of skills <laughs> that are not patient mothering skills. So as I've navigated this over the last 11 years, everything has been not what I expected. And the things that I expected have been really different than what I expected. And so it's fun to dig into that sometimes. And I also think that when we think about motherhood and the joy that we thought or hoped it would bring to our lives, it's often parts of that. And then also there's a lot of joy depletion that comes in motherhood. So that's what I want to talk about first today. I want to talk about five factors that contribute to joy depletion in motherhood that impact all moms, by the way. Like, I think these five things impact all moms at some time, or at least three or four of them impact every single mom. So this is really like how we get to collectively be like, oh, yep, 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 that one and that one, and yep, relate, relate, relate. And I think that this, our ability to be relate, our relatability to all of these joy depleters, (laughs) I think is really helpful in recognizing, oh, it's not just me who feels like the joy, like I don't carry joy with me as much as I thought I would, or that motherhood is so consuming, I have a hard time finding joy in other aspects of my life. It's really that's a universal collective experience. And I think when we can recognize that it doesn't necessarily make it better, but it can feel better when we don't feel like we're alone in it. So in order to make it feel better, and in order to actually make it better, we're also going to talk about five mindset resets to amplify joy and motherhood today. And a lot of these five, the components of these five things, it's not about more mothering of your child, at least. It's actually a lot of it is about more mothering and caretaking of yourself, but not like in a bubble bath way. It's really about nurturing your mindset around who you want to be in this season of your life, alongside what you're doing in mothering and because you are mothering. So I think this will be helpful to kind of shift your mindset in a handful of ways in order for you to be able to amplify joy in ways that maybe you haven't considered before. So let's dig into these five factors that contribute to the joy depletion first. Like let me just rip the band-aid off and tell you all the ways that your joy has been stolen and that you have not been able to find it. So the first factor is that joy depletion, I think begins really early when we're trying to conform to social norms around mothering. And we think that that like being a quote unquote good mom looks like a really specific thing and that it looks, we think it's pretty black and white, like it looks like this, not that. And so when we're doing things that we're, we're like, oh, I don't know if this is like the right thing or the good thing, we can get really confused and we can be really, really hard on ourselves. And we can make up a lot of stories and narratives in our heads that around the assumption that other people are doing it better, or that we're messing it all up, or that we were never meant to do this, or like, our kids are going to be in therapy for the rest of their lives. uh, Or, you know, or, 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 like, there's so many things around that, because we're told societally that it should look a certain way. And we see, you know, TV shows, June Cleaver, like, you know, like we see TV shows that represent motherhood in a certain way. And we think, Oh, wait, but I'm not that I'm not this like scripted character that's like perfectly patient and loving and kind and also with like the perfect amount of humor at the perfect time every single day. And that's what we strive for. And it's that's just not what it is. The next factor that can contribute to joy depletion is social constructs around perfectionism and mom guilt. And I've done episodes on both of these. I'm talking about perfectionism as a social construct and talking about mom guilt. I've actually done multiple episodes on mom guilt as a social construct. But what I mean with this is that we are taught that we should aspire to be perfect. And this starts with really little, like practice makes perfect, all sorts of messaging around perfection, right? And this starts with like getting perfect grades and being perfect at sports or extracurriculars or being like perfect in terms of how we treat other people or in terms of how we are polite and quote unquote nice and courteous and all these things that little girls into grown women are expected to be. When we are raised like that, it's really easy to see things again in this black and white, Narrative or discourse where it's easy to make assumptions that if we're not doing it perfectly, we're not doing it right at all. And that's really, really harmful. And so that can get us into a lot of trouble. Same thing with mom guilt. We're raised to be told that you know, if you work all day, like who's with the kids? Or if you have to travel for work, like who stays with the kids? Or Aren't your kids sad? Or who puts your kids to bed at night? Or who's making dinner for them? Or who's sitting at the table? Who's helping them with their homework? We're raised to believe we can do any like you can do it all. You can be a working mom, you can stay at home, you can do like all these different things. But then there's also guilt around the choices that you made. And that you're not enough in one area of your life, if you made a decision in a different area of your life. When we look at these as social constructs, what we can recognize is that these social constructs are built by modern society and by people who have the most power because they keep other people in a position
1: of having less power. And that's really intentional. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence You are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.
2: Feel like you're the martyr in your family.
0: So when we exist in these social constructs, it allows for certain populations to have more power, the majority population, and in the US that's white male, The majority who have power in this country, white male, they thrive in these social constructs. And so it works really, really well for them that women and moms are taught to be really, really perfect because we're so busy over here on the side trying to be so perfect that we're hopefully not paying attention to the fact that, like, oh, wait, we're not getting equal pay. Or, oh, wait, like, why am I having to work for all of the money that I spend on childcare and, like, I'm just breaking even? Or, oh, wait, like, women get paid less than men, you know, however many cents on the dollar. So when we're really caught up in like being super perfect, then we are hopefully distracted to not see that. And same thing with mom guilt, like when we're really caught up in these social constructs and trying to outdo ourselves and h- perform more highly and be a more high achiever in order to overcome these social constructs, because we think that we're not good enough. The people around us who are winning are the people who already have power, and they continue making decisions that keep us out of power while we're over here spinning in circles trying to like do right by these social constructs that only harm us. So That definitely contributes to joy depletion. (laughs) Number three, the third thing that contributes to joy depletion is comparison. And a lot of the reasons that we get stuck in comparison is because of these social constructs around perfectionism and mom guilt. So when you think about comparison, it's easy to compare the way that you parent to your next door neighbor or to the other parents that you see on the playground at school drop off or to that one mom in the group chat who's like, always has it figured out or always has the answer or is the first one to reply or like always, you know, just seems to like know exactly what T to cross and I to dot and all those measures. Maybe it's the mom who shows up to volunteer for everything, or it's the mom who has like a really high powered job, but is also at every single game. So we get into these stories around comparison, again, that make us feel like not enough or that make us feel like we're doing it quote unquote wrong. And so that depletes our joy. It makes it when we feel like we're not enough, it's real hard to sit in a lot of joy. The fourth factor is overwhelm and then fatigue. So when you feel totally overwhelmed, it's real hard to sit in a lot of joy. And that overwhelm, then Is going to create fatigue. So when we're overwhelmed for like a day, no big deal. We can catch up tomorrow. When we're overwhelmed for years on end, as happens in motherhood, then we're tired for years on end. And that depletes joy, right? And we, it's, we're not modeled. There's not a lot of social constructs that are created for us around resources and ways to re-nourish ourselves and restore ourselves and rejuvenate and replenish in order to like, consistently have to show up in these years and years and years of overwhelm and be able to feel like we're a fully functional person. And then the fifth factor is our loss of personal time. And this was, oh my gosh, this was probably the hardest part of the pandemic is I felt like it was kind of back to newborn land where like there was all of a sudden a kid at my side all the time, like every 20 minutes, all day long. And it was a reminder of what it had been like when a child needed me like every 20 minutes all day long when he was a tiny baby. And I know those of you who had multiple children during the pandemic or had younger children during the pandemic suffered exponentially more than me in terms of having to navigate no alone time. But this is also a theme across motherhood where you lose all your personal time and that leads to a loss of your sense of personal identity because when you're always showing up in service of others you consistently are pushing down what you need what you want what you want to explore what you're curious about what you want to learn because you're focusing all that time and energy on the person the people that need you most which is typically your kids and sometimes a partner and you don't have time left to be thinking about who am I and who am I becoming and where do I wanna go with this and what's the identity I wanna build for myself? And it usually is when our children are a little older that we're suddenly like, holy cow, like who am I and what do I wanna do and what who do I wanna become? And I'm talking with a lot of people right now myself included, I'm talking to myself, but also a handful of my coaching clients and my executive coaching clients who are entering this season of like the last 20 years in the professional world. So women who are in their late 40s, early 50s, and thinking through, I've spent the last 20 years in child rearing and building a career in a certain direction. And that's looked like a certain thing. And it's been really hard and really exhausting because also like you throw in, a global pandemic, you throw in the recession of 2008, like you throw in all these different things that are like global. And then you also, of course, have any of your personal stuff that came up during that time. And then you have all your mother stuff that came up during that time. And so when we look at all of that and then we look at, okay, now what am I going to do for my last 20 years of working and contributing in society in a professional way? what decisions do I want to make? And all of a sudden, there is this opportunity to explore identity in a different way and to be really thoughtful and intentional. But sometimes it takes being out of that really intense season of motherhood where you're having to, again, have like the Velcro kids (laughs) so that you can all of a sudden realize like, oh, wait, I can be a little more thoughtful and intentional about what I want to do. And what am I going to do with that? I mean, sometimes that's really confusing and overwhelming and a little scary to think, oh, I can do things differently, but I don't know what I want to do because I've spent so much time focusing outward rather than listening inward for the last X amount of years or decade or two decades, that that can be really, it can be disorienting. And so whether you're, no matter where you're at in terms of loss of personal time, whether you're like really in it right now with littles and you're just like, yeah, I have no personal time, you're recognizing probably like, who am I? I don't even know. And when will I ever know again? And then if you're on that later end of it, you're maybe coming to that realization of, holy cow, like I've had to focus so intensely over X amount of years of mothering. And now as I'm getting a little more into my child's getting a little or my children are getting more independent, I'm able to look inward and I don't know what I want, or I don't know who I am, I don't know where I want to go. So that leads us to our five mindset resets that can help amplify joy in motherhood. And so when we are aware of joy depletion, (laughs) and hopefully we can then have tools and skills to recognize and take action in terms of, oh, I want to do things differently. This isn't how I, I don't want to be in a state of joy depletion all the time every day, right? So recognizing how these five factors have contributed to our experience in motherhood or or are contributing today to our experience in motherhood. And then how can we reset our mindset, especially around systems and structures and things that have been modeled to us in order to amplify joy in motherhood. And the first thing I want to say about this is that it's not really about the mothering. (laughs) So the first mindset reset to help you amplify joy in motherhood is this, only a portion of motherhood is actually about mothering. So of course, when you first have a baby, it consumes your whole entire life. And I always use this example of when Vinny was born, I thought that he would be like in a drawer full of file folders that he would be like one file folder, or like in a pie, he would be like one little sliver of the pie, but then like other parts of my life would still be in there, like time with my husband and like time with the dog and my job and running my business and my gym clients and all these different things. Like there was this whole pie and the kid would be one sliver. And then I quickly learned that the kid is the whole pie. <laughs> the kid is the whole entire pie. And then you steal from that pie, like a little bit here for work and a little bit there to sleep. And But you're like, it always feels like you're bargaining for time or stealing it because motherhood is just so all-consuming. When your primary focus in motherhood is on your kids, it's not on you at all. And sometimes it has to be that way. Like, that's the nature of keeping a newborn alive, right? But what if you could also see that motherhood is not just about your kids, but it's also about you? Because motherhood impacts your life in a way that you will never be able to unravel from your sense of identity for the rest of your life. And that is about you. So, whether or not you are knee deep in newborn land, or you have, you know, kids who just went off to college, motherhood is also about you. It's not all about them. And I think that that part really gets missed. And so it's also about you, it's who you are becoming. And it's about how motherhood allows you to grow and evolve in ways you would have never grown and evolved if you didn't go through this experience of mothering. So what does that mean for your interests and hobbies and relationships and connections and how you show up in the community and how you use your voice. What does that mean in terms of the path that you take professionally? What does it mean in terms of how you show up as a leader or how you show up in the workplace or how you show up in service of others? All of that is shifted uh, dramatically by your experience in mothering. So motherhood is not just about your kid or your kids. It's largely about you and how it impacts your identity, but we're oftentimes really just focused on the action of mothering our own children that we don't look inward to recognize Oh, wait, hold on. This has totally upended my own identity and will impact how I move through this world for the rest of my life. There is no unraveling. Like, you can't separate out. It's like when you put, you know, two scoops of sand together, you can't then make them separate again. You can't do that with like Sarah before motherhood and Sarah after motherhood. Like, there's no separation, right? So, how will you choose to honor and own and honor your growth in a way that gives you power? Because you have so much more power after becoming a mom in terms of what you, like your point of view, your world experience, what you have had to do to navigate mothering. And so how will you choose to own and honor that in a way that gives you power and allows you to embrace a new sense of identity and own new skills that you've honed and own new talents and strengths? Like There's so many talents and strengths that come out of mothering. And I've done whole episodes about like why mothers make better leaders. I think I did an episode that was like six reasons mom make better leaders or something. But it's because of all these skills that come out of motherhood. And also as part of this, recognizing and really, really holding true and in recognizing that no one wins and everyone loses when someone in the household, i.e. moms, are being 100% self-sacrificial 100% of the time. And we're often self-sacrificial 100% of the time when we have a new baby. How can we challenge ourselves to step out of that and allow other people to support us, even if it's just a little bit of the time in those early stages? Because when we are 100% self-sacrificial and allowing motherhood to be 100% about that child, we lose ourselves in big ways that are really, really hard to gain back.
2: Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clux. You've come to the right place.
0: The second mindset reset to help you amplify joy in motherhood is that moms get to reform social norms. Moms get to reform social norms. I think this is pretty exciting, and I also think it's very necessary. And I think it's interesting if we look back before we look forward. So if we were to look at people who were raised, women who were raised in the 50s and 60s, many of them were raised by moms who... Never had education past high school, who never drove a car, who never had a job outside of the house. And what if we just all accepted that, like, well, that's what it means to be a mom and a woman. And that's so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to not get more education than my mom. I'm going to not have the independence of driving a vehicle. I'm going to not pursue a career outside of my house or a profession. Um, in terms of going and, you know, having impact in the world outside of my household. That would be probably pretty awful (laughs) if we just kept doing that generation after generation after generation. So what we know now is that we get to reform social norms. And so we can recognize these social constructs around perfectionism and mom guilt and even imposter syndrome, which is also a social construct. And we can recognize, wait, hold on. This is being modeled to me and it's serving certain populations It's serving the majority population and giving them the most power. And it's working really well for those people in the majority to thrive. And it's keeping people like me, women, mothers, and marginalized communities down. So what am I going to do with that? I'm going to actively reject that. I'm going to very intentionally not subscribe to perfectionism or not subscribe to mom guilt or not subscribe to imposter syndrome because I'm reforming social norms around that. I'm actively choosing to step beyond that. And I'm not upholding those social norms because it's not in service of me, first of all, but also of the women around me. And also, it's not in service to my children because I don't want them replicating this either. I want them to see things differently and do things differently. So I think that when we start to recognize that we get to reform these social norms, it can be really freeing and really liberating. And we get to do this while our kids are watching and while the women around us are watching. And that's really powerful. We have the opportunity to be culture shifters and culture shapers by bucking social patterns that don't fully support women and mothers, that benefit the greater good. And that is exciting and necessary. That is not selfish. And so what will you do with that opportunity? Now, you could look at it as like, oh, that sounds like a lot of work. (laughs) But there's little things that you can do every single day to reject social norms that don't support and uphold mothers or support and uphold women and you're probably already doing some of them but there's you, there's always a little bit more that you can do um, in terms of recognizing like oh wait just because it was it used to be done that way or because you know the majority of the people who have the majority of the power are saying it should be done that way doesn't mean it actually has to be done that way doesn't mean that we can't find a different way doesn't mean that I'm not going to do it a different way in front of everyone and be really proud of it the third mindset reset for helping you amplify join motherhood is compassion trumps comparison So when we think about compassion trumping comparison, this makes us catch ourselves when we fall into a comparison trap. And the older you get, the easier this is to do because you can find so many examples in your own life where this is true. So I have, of course, like everyone in my life, been someone who might see someone next to me or around me or on social media and think, gosh, they just have it all figured out. Like they do it all so well. And they have really cute outfits, (laughs) or like they show up exactly in the right way and they say the right thing, and their kids are like super cute all the time. And they don't ever seem tired, or they don't ever seem cranky, or they don't ever seem impatient. So, what I know now is that when I have those thoughts, they're not true. There's people who sure can show up and look like they have it all together, but 100% of the time, no one ever has it all together. And I have spent a lot of time collecting evidence to prove this to myself over the years. And I've had the opportunity to get to know a lot of women with a lot of power and a lot of resources who look like they have it all together. And I'm telling you in every single instance, the person who looks like they have it the most together is the person who is struggling deeply behind the scenes. So whether that is struggling deeply in an unhappy marriage, whether that's struggling deeply with a family member dealing with addiction, whether that's struggling deeply with their own personal sense of identity or deep, deep insecurities, even though public facing, they seem to be so, so confident. There's always, always something behind that exterior that looks so picture perfect that I can hold compassion for. And I might not know what the thing is, but I might be able to see like, wow, that's one of those people that seems to have it all together and have it all figured out. And also they're superhuman. And they probably lost their cool this morning with their kids. They probably like, you know, coughed and peed a little when they were in that meeting. (laughs) They probably, you know, missed their kid's soccer game and their kid was crying or like all these different things. Every single person is struggling with something. The people that show up so picture perfect in the office are often the ones who are going home and miserable, you know, between the hours of getting home and going to bed. Not always, but like there's always something where someone's struggling because here's the thing we're all always struggling with something like there's always something hard that we're dealing with everybody 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 so whether it is aging parents or whether it is you know maybe your child's diagnosis around neurodivergence or around health or whether it's something in your marriage or whether it is around like extended family and illness or addiction whether it's around job security or housing security like or mental health like personal mental health or managing your mental health All these things are always happening behind the scenes, and no one has it figured out. So the more that we can hold compassion and recognize every single person that has it figured out doesn't really have it figured out because no one really has it figured out, (laughs) the more that we can really, really stop that comparison narrative in our minds and just hold compassion for everyone and hold compassion for all the women and moms around us. The fourth mindset reset to amplify joy in motherhood is recognizing Personal time and personal care are basic human needs, not luxuries. It is not a luxury to spend time just by yourself. It is not a luxury to take care of yourself in different ways. So we sometimes let this become the last thing that we do. We It like gets knocked off the to-do list over and over and over in terms of scheduling the massage or taking the girls weekend or just like sitting in your car for 20 minutes before you walk in the house in the evening or sitting in the car for 20 minutes between school drop-off and walking into the office. But those moments of personal time and the things that you do to take care of yourself every single day, they're not luxuries. While they sometimes might feel luxurious because they're the things that you love the most about your day or the things that like you crave or that make you like destimulate and relax, they're your basic human rights. And we all have basic human rights, and personal time and taking care of ourselves in certain ways every day, that's a basic human need. And number 5, the fifth mindset reset to help you amplify joy in motherhood is that joy is your birthright. And I am taking this from my dear friend, Tanmeet Seti, in her book, Joy is My Justice. But in that book, she talks about joy being your birthright. No matter how hard things are, no matter how much your life has been upended, and she talks about this in really specific and very traumatic ways in her book, that joy is your birthright no matter what, no matter how ugly or hard or scary or overwhelming today is, joy is your birthright. So if that means that you get to go stand in the sun for seven minutes, while your child's in the hospital, that's your birthright to experience that joy, whether that means that you get to, you know, watch someone's TikTok video while you're in the middle of a big, huge work deadline and feeling totally overwhelmed just to escape for 30 seconds in order to refocus for the next six hours. (laughs) Joy is your birthright. So how are you creating joy for yourself inside the context of motherhood in terms of enjoying time with your child? And how are you creating joy for yourself outside the context of motherhood and outside of being of service to others or outside of being self sacrificial? So, your five mindset resets as a recap number one, only a portion of motherhood is actually about mothering. Number two, moms get to reform social norms. Number three, compassion trumps comparison. Number four, personal time and personal care are basic human needs, not luxuries. And number five, joy is your birthright. And again, crediting Tanmi Seti and her book, Joy is My Justice, with that number five there. I hope this episode was helpful. I hope it helps you amplify joy in your motherhood today, but also every damn day moving forward. Thank you for being here. Share this episode with other moms who might need some joy in their lives. And remember that I'm in this with you always. <music>